It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To say Nick Lodolo has struggled recently is an understatement, but there are a few reasons why he will turn it around soon. We'll tell you who and what those are on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On Podcasts are free and available on all podcasting platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker. That guy over there is your host, Jeff Carr. And we are diehard baseball fans. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. We have taken our love of the game, our passion for baseball, and we have turned that passion into information for you. We want to thank those of you who listen every day. If you are an everydayer, please let us know in the comment section or on Twitter. Let us know how long you've been a Red fan and, uh, and where you are in the country watching our good old Red Legs. Uh, on today's podcast, we are going to discuss the recent woes of Nick Lodolo. Uh, we're going to ponder the question should we be worried uh, we are also going to take a look at a poll that i posted on twitter asking who everyone thinks will be the first player uh, to be called up by the reds in 23 out of the choices of joey Votto, matt mcclain christian incarnacion strand or ellie de la cruz we're going to get into the results of that a little bit later and then finally we are going to take a look at the series that is going to get underway at great american ballpark tonight as the 450 million dollar new york mets come to town and somewhere along the way jeff may be telling us how he has filed papers to be the president of the frank german fan club and if you don't know who that is don't feel bad we will let you know somewhere along the way exactly who that dude is but i think a good place to start jeff is i see how you're looking at me the good place to start is with nick Lodolo. yeah uh yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Whatever. <laughs> Nick Lodolo's last four starts have been bad, Steve. They've been real bad. But a turnaround and some good starts are on the way. But when we say bad, let, let's really dive into this. Because these last four starts, not only have they been short, he's had 17 and a third innings in four starts. Uh, he's allowed 20 earned runs, absolutely getting destroyed. And the ball is absolutely getting destroyed against the nine homers allowed in four starts. That's good for a 10.38 ERA, which small sample size. So ERA is not that important, but the thing of it is his fielding independent pitching is FIP. The things he can control 9.7. So you could say he's getting a little unlucky, but I don't really think that that is where we want to go with that statistic. However, there are some other stats we'll talk about in just a moment that he has been getting unlucky. But when Nick Lodolo was asked about these struggles and about kind of, you know, what he is perceiving through it and whether or not he has, you know, he thinks he has his strikeout stuff working or not, he had this to say after his most recent struggle. Yeah, just I'm not. I get, I'm getting to two strikes. Fine. I just I got to finish, guys. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm making it easy on them. Um, you know, and it's I 
got to stay on the attack with two and just you know, finish guys. I mean, it's I I don't really feel like it's there right now, um, and I, I think it'll get there. Uh, I have no question in that because I know I can do it. He's confident. So the problem is, Jeff. He he says this is the second time I've heard him say this that I get get into two strikes just fine and I can't mm -hmm. finish these guys. So I wonder is is he is he nibbling the the corners too much? Is he relying too much on that that back foot breaker and? hitters have learned to lay off of a little bit what what do you think is going on i feel like he's being a little too cautious when he gets to the two strike count and that's how he ends up losing these guys or you know once he sees that they're not going to chase that that back foot breaker he tries to get off of the edge of the plate ends up hanging something over the middle that they're just tattooing you know into the ohio river i think he's got to find a second spot for that curveball, and I know that you know it's a patented back foot breaking ball that guys just can't touch. But the problem is when you get the two strikes, and if the hitter is like, you know what, whatever, if I strike out looking, I strike out looking. I know I'm not hitting that pitch, and they can just lay off of it and let it happen. There's a chance it doesn't hit the zone. There's a chance the umpire doesn't see it. There's a chance it actually hits them in the back foot. So there's there's actually as many things that can go right for the hitter as, and maybe even more things that can go right for the hitter in that instance with that pitch than can go right for Nick Lodolo. So I feel like he's got to have a second out pitch. He's got to have either, you know, you move that curveball a little bit and he has been trying to play with that. And that's really where he's gotten into trouble is that he leaves it in the zone too much and it just gets clobbered. But if he can hit maybe the outside with it or something like that, I don't know what the answer necessarily is, but he's got to find a second out pitch that uh, one other thing to put in the back of the hitter's mind, because he has three pitches that he can use with regularity. It's just those other two pitches tend to set up that back foot breaking ball. And then whenever he gets to that hitters know that it's coming. And in most cases, I think they're just apt to take a, you know, a backwards K as opposed to looking silly and trying to swing at it. Well, let's talk about what it would take for Nick Lodolo to be back on track and what we think we need to see out of him statistically in order to say he's back on track. And let's start with uh, you've prepared a great uh, number of statistics here that are all going to lead to Nick Lodolo's success. But there's one of these that jumps out at me and I want to spend the most time talking about it. And that is the uh, Homer per fly ball ratio. And you and I talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but it, it's it's at a level that it can't possibly stay that high, correct? No, yeah, absolutely. It's super unsustainable because we're talking about, so Homer per fly ball, this is literally every fly ball that he gives up, what percentage of those fly balls turn into home runs? Literally right now, 27% of the fly balls that he allows turns into home runs. Now, the league average is far below that. I mean, we're talking about, you know, like maybe 12%. And in fact, even Nick Lodolo last season had a homer fly ball ratio of 15%. So literally a 12% increase. And this is simply a stat. And, and it's not even necessarily a luck stat. It's just a water will find its level stat. Like you can go back through, you can see the league average homer to fly ball ratio is always somewhere around like, you know, nine to like 12% or something like that. 
So if you give up a lot of fly balls, then you can tend to be a problem. That's really where we get into the fly ball to ground ball ratio. But when it comes to Nicoladola, this 27% statistic for homers to fly balls is going to come down. And when that comes down, everything else is going to start to come down because all of his problems really stem from the long ball. I think that this also says something about how, you know, as I mentioned, as he tries to move away from the edge of the plate, when he gets in trouble, guys are really barreling him up. And when they are putting it in the air, they are hitting it hard. And, and this is just a byproduct of that. I think to where I think he's lost. I mean, I know this is a strange thing to say, Jeff. I mean, he's in the major leagues for his second year, but I think he's lost a little bit of his feel for the zone right now i think he's just kind of struggling to to find his way back and 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 he alluded to that a little bit in that clip that we played uh what else do we need to see from him in order to get back on the success train that he was on as recently as the first couple starts of this season right you we can't forget his first two starts he looked like nick lodolo that we expected to see and i mean we're, we're looking at a couple of different things here that have given me you know, some optimism, lots of things give me optimism, Steve, we know this, but there are actual statistical facts that are giving me optimism with Nick Lodolo. And it's the fact that his strikeout rate is still pretty much where it was last year. That hasn't come down. He's not, he's not, um, you know, striking out less people. In fact, depending on what statistic you use, I used strikeout percentage, which is literally the number of batters a guy faces to the number of strikeouts that he has his strikeouts per nine is actually up now partially that's because he's got a lot of short starts so far this season but still his strikeouts are right where they should be the other thing that's very good is his walk rate is very improved from last year it went from eight percent to six percent this year now it could be a little bit interesting because i kind of think that limiting the walks may actually be a little bit part of the problem because he does try to fill up the zone. And he talked about it even more so in that post game clip that we don't have uh, clipped here for the episode, but he says, you know, I'm still filling up the zone. He's still really trying to just pound the strike zone. And we always say that that's, you know, generally a good thing, but I think hitters know the scouting report on Nick Lodolo. So maybe he could just mix it up a smidge there with maybe some, waste pitches or not, you know, not necessarily waste pitches that a hitter knows it's not anywhere near swinging at, but trying to fool the hitter a little bit with a fastball up in the zone or, you know, that, that, that sinker two seamer, whatever he has, maybe dipping it below the zone or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's something that it seems like he's fixated on that. And that's where he's getting clobbered is that he's leaving too many pitches in the zone. Well, listen, Jeff, I opened this segment by asking, should we be worried about Nicoladolo? And for me, the answer is no, I'm not worried. I don't think that he forgot how to pitch. And I don't think that overnight the league just suddenly figured out how to completely undo everything that Nicoladolo can do. I will acknowledge his last four starts have been bad, Jeff, but I think good starts are on the way. He's going to figure it out. I 100% agree. It's an adjustment period and Nicoladolo will adjust you know though steve it's been on a lot of fans minds here recently who do we think the reds will call up next because there's some names and you had a poll that had some interesting results we'll dive into what that is coming up here in just a moment before we do though i want to tell you about fanduel because this podcast is brought to you in part by fanduel grand slams no hitters and double plays are back 
because it's baseball season. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if that bet doesn't win. It's literally a free bet. The Reds and Mets, by the way, they get their series underway tonight at Great American Ballpark, and FanDuel has the Reds' total runs scored. The over-under is at three and a half, and I think they'll hit the over, but just barely because, well, it's Max Scherzer on the mound. However, there's a reason why I think the Reds will hit the over, and I'll tell you about that here in just a few minutes. But don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball. Like I said, coming up 640 tonight, Reds and Mets get going. Max Scherzer's on the bump going up against Luke Weaver. Catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Search Reds. And thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day is coming up tomorrow. Can Luke Weaver make any Reds fan a believer? I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe he can. I'm not, I I don't know. I'm not betting on it, but Hey, we'll talk about his most recent start as he faces the Steve Cohen's of the New York Mets. Uh, Steve, let's look at this because you had a poll that you tweeted out the other day of who do Reds fans think will be the next player up from triple a. And that's pretty intriguing. It, it is because while the winner of this poll was not what was unexpected, the, the second place finisher uh, says a lot about the thinking of those of you out there in Reds country. The The question was this, which player will appear in a Reds game first in 2023 with the choices being Joey Votto, Matt McLean, Ellie De La Cruz and Christian Encarnacion Strand. And unsurprisingly, Matt McClain with 66% of the vote uh, wins this poll. You know, Matt McClain uh, just won the International League Player of the Week honors. Last week, he hit 440 with 11 RBIs, two home runs, and one cycle. So uh, everybody around Reds country, everybody from the beat writers, uh, basically everybody but the front office is saying, call this guy up. So for him to have won this poll, Jeff, uh, it doesn't surprise me. Reds country's dialed in on what's going on down in the minor leagues, and they're seeing what Matt McClain is doing down there, and they would like to see him at the big league level. Here's where the surprise comes in. Joey Votto got 19% of the vote. That's Joey Votto that hasn't begun his second rehab assignment yet, that hasn't come anywhere near to returning to baseball activity since he was shut down from his first rehab assignment Joey Votto who still has not articulated out loud when we can reasonably expect to see him back and still almost 20% of the people that voted in this poll say Joey Votto will be the next guy to make an appearance out of that group and it makes me concerned that Reds country is maybe doubting that Nick Kroll is going to bring up any of these young prospects. And I'm starting to wonder if there's not some validity in that fear, Jeff. Yeah. And I think that 
talking about Joey Votto being the next guy up and, and if this were to happen in this order, I do think that Matt McClain is the next guy up. He is just, I mean, it's getting to the point where it's like, what more does he have to prove at AAA? And what more do we need to see from Jose Barrero at the major league level to know that it's time to move on? And I, I, I think that Joey Votto being second on this poll really speaks a lot because the Reds have pushed the young player narrative, right? They talked about the rookies, the prospects. That was the theme of Reds Fest this past year. But now it's like, okay, it's May. And we've only seen a couple of call-ups. Levi Stout was an emergency call-up. He wasn't even like a, you know, here we go, let's get this ready type guy. Like, we're talking about pomp and circumstance. When Matt McClain gets called up, you and I are going to be celebrating. When CES gets called up, we're going to be celebrating. Ellie De La Cruz, celebrating. They're, they're not doing that. And I feel like there's some weird eye to the future and worrying about, you know, okay, What's the contract situation of this look like? Or, okay, so that's 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 um, subject A or, or option A. Couldn't think of the word. That's option A is they're worried about the future contract situation. Or option B is, well, we need to keep this roster competitive right now as we're being competitive. And let's face it, neither one of those make any sense. No, and I think, you know, I've heard – from multiple places that you know nick crawl you know not only has a plan but he is steadfast in implementing the plan as he sees it the thing he's not done is completely articulate that plan to the fan base um he's kind of told us what he's doing and he's he set a direction which is you know the youth movement churn the roster make the trades do the things we've talked about that uh but he hasn't really committed to when this competitive window is going to begin. And I'm starting to get concerned that, you know, when he looks at the writing on the wall, like all of us have looked at the writing on the wall, we all know that 2024 is where it's at. And I wonder if he's now reluctant to start the clocks on Matt McLean and CES and Ellie De La Cruz until opening day, 2024. Uh, in order to keep the pitchers and the hitters contracts spread out even more, allow for more trading and churning. I, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I think that what we learned from Spencer steer is there's a lot of benefit to bringing yeah. these guys up a little earlier, let them kind of get through their struggles, let them get a feel for what it's like to be at the big league level, and then let them come into the following spring training already knowing what's up. Uh, you talk about being competitive. I don't know that bringing Matt McClain up right now doesn't make this team better instantly. I don't right. know that bringing CES up right now doesn't make this team better instantly. Uh, am I saying that they're going to hit exactly the way that they're hitting in AAA at the major league level? No, we all know better than that. The major league pitching is the major league pitching. It's going to have an impact. But I think what Matt McLean and CES have both shown us and Ellie De La Cruz is starting to show us is that once they figure it out, they can be dangerous. And I think that they'll figure it out a whole lot better if they're given an opportunity to do it this year so that when they head into 2024, that com that competition window starts from opening day. Uh, Phil Castellini's PowerPoints be damned. Yeah. And, and the so here's the thing, too, because the rebuttal to that point the rebuttal to well if you call it matt mcclain they might actually be a better team right now the only rebuttal i could think of someone would have is like well what happens if they call them up and they're not good if that is what is in nick crawl's mind then we're done if that is what they're worried about 
he's playing not to lose. And I don't know if he's looked on the field the last couple of years, but that's all we've been doing. And so I don't know why there would be fear with the idea of, well, what if he comes up and it doesn't work out? We've seen so many players come up and not work out. Let's just start throwing them up against the wall here. And I'm saying that metaphorically, let's see what sticks because there's just been so much of this. Well, let's call this guy up, but let's surround him with a bunch of retreads that we're not worried if they suck. And and, and then it hurts their feelings because they already know they suck. Let's stop it with that. Let's stop it with the Kevin Newman's and let's stop it with the, the guys that we continue to see get run out there every other day. And we're like, all right. Yeah. You know, I guess he hits good against left-handed pitching. Like let, let, let's start seeing the future. Cause you're exactly right. The whole point of this season is to find out the core for next year. And if you get guys like Matt McClain, CES and Ellie De La Cruz, some experience now and, and, and their stats be damned this year, because if you get them experience now and they're ready to go, when you want the window to open, then you're not worried if they pan out when the window opens, because they're already getting their experience now. You know, the only realistic fear here is on the part of Nick crawl, because if these guys come up and aren't good, well, he's the one on the hot seat, right? right. Because I mean, let's, let's be honest about this, whether they're good or bad, the attendance can't get worse than it already is. So it's not going to impact the money. Right. The, the people that are engaged versus the people that aren't is not going to change because the people that are checked out until there's a winner are already checked out. Yep. So the only real impact to this whole thing is to Nick crawl if they come up and they're bad. So, you know, is there a piece of that? Maybe he wants to wait until he feels like they're in the best position to be successful. But at the same time, what we've seen is that, you know, easing them in, in a situation where they don't have to compete right away to, to win a division, easing them in during a time when the expectation really is to just get ready for next year, just makes more sense to me from a standpoint of them being able to come up in the least amount of pressure possible. Cause there's a lot of pressure coming up and making your major league debut debut. They get to come up in, in the most relaxed environment that they can possibly come up in and be ready to compete out of the gate in 2024. It's a no brainer to me. And I don't understand, you know, what exactly is going on in the Reds front office right now that that's holding them back because there is no metric by which you can measure Matt McClain right now. And he's not ready for the big league level. Right. Yeah, no, it's, I, I really think that it is time to call them up. I I'd almost, I'd venture to say, call them all up and let's just get this show on the road. I mean, think about this and, and, and real quick, cause I'm, not going to get on another soapbox. I already was on that soapbox for a minute, but think about this, like debut years of Jay Bruce, debut years of a as Chapman debut, debut years of these guys that were here for so long. You don't remember their like overall stats from that first year. You remember moments. That's what we want to see. We will see moments from CES. We will see moments from Matt McLean, Ellie De La Cruz. Those guys will give us moments this year. And then the consistency starts next year. Don't worry about starting their clock this year because I think it can only benefit them. And then the rest of this poll, Jeff, was CES and Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, CES 
got a little bit more votes than Ellie De La Cruz, uh, but they were third and fourth respectively. I think Ellie De La Cruz is still on track uh, with 4% of the vote. Uh, you know, he's probably a June, July guy, maybe even a little bit later after his early spring setback. And then CES with 11% of the vote. Uh, I think he's probably ready also. Uh, but could use maybe just a little more time to make sure he's dialed in. But, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you called him up today, I think he would make the adjustments and be all right. So we're going to have to wait and see how this plays out, Jeff. Uh, but I know one thing's for sure. Uh, some of these dudes are ready and they're ready to play as early as tonight. And speaking of tonight, the $450 million New York Mets are in town. And we're going to talk about that coming up right after this. Like I said, the Reds and the Mets get together tonight at 6.40 p.m. at Great American Ballpark. That's Max Scherzer of the $450 million New York Mets. He has allowed 12 runs in 64 and two-thirds career innings against the Reds. Uh, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. Uh, in between shows, you can also follow this podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. You can follow Jeff and I on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. And before we dig into this Met series, Jeff, I want to take just a minute and we got to talk about Frank German because I teased you up at so the first top. of all, it's <laughs> Franklin Herman. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> it's that's how little known he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I know of it. I, I, and I saw the stat that like he was the minor league pitcher of the year for the Red Sox a couple of years ago. But so here's the only reason this matters. The the Reds picked him up off the waiver wire. And here's why it White bugs Sox, me. Yeah. It, it's, it takes up the last spot on the 40-man roster that I wanted to go to Matt McClain. So, yeah. <laughs> so weird. The only, the only reason it's bugging me right now. When I saw the update and it said that the reds claimed i didn't even see the name at first said claimed off waivers i'm like that's a 40-man roster spot like why like no like we don't need uh, come on is he better than joe kunal there was no punctuation on the reds announcement so it read frank german i just want you to know there's (laughs) no there is no punctuation on his last name for an accent or or you know so in in my hawaii pigeon defense as you know how i'm terrible with names there was no there was no help for me on the reds media release they it's just when it comes to franklin hermont like why he's not better than Joe Kunal. He's not better than Kevin Herget. I don't want to see him any more than I want to see some of the young relief pitchers who are already on the 40 man roster, like Ricky Karcher or Leon Richardson or whatever, you know, like I, I just, that well, seemed like a very a, strange move to me. Yeah. It's probably just a depth, a depth signing anyway, yeah. because we, what we know is somebody's getting called up today. The Reds haven't made the move yet, but Reaver San Martin is going to have to go on the injured list and they're going to have to bring somebody up. So there's a move being made today. I'm surprised that they haven't already put him on the IL. Like, or do they think they can avoid an IL stint and hold his roster spot? Like, I really hope they don't play that. 
they're being stealthy. They don't want to tip the Mets off. There's uh, a, yeah, there's that's a big, really going to help. There's a big chance they're going to win this series. And speaking of the $450 million New York Mets, and I say that because I want everybody to remember as they're watching this game that it's the $450 million New York Mets all-star team that they're watching on the field at Great American Ballpark. But, Jeff, let's talk for just a couple minutes about what we reasonably expect from this series you know this is another one like when we talked about the reds playing out in san diego and we've talked about this when they play good teams what it is that we realistically expect them to do and for me it goes back to just like i said during that san diego series don't get swept they need to win at least one of these games but it's a big ask because they're facing scherzer they're facing verlander and then they're facing your guy uh kodai senga there he is. Thank you for helping me with the names again. But, you know, that's that's the top three of the Mets rotation coming into Great American yeah. Ballpark. This is, not, this is not an easy task that the Reds are going to be facing. Yeah, it's the top three, and we've got Luke Weaver on the mound against Max Scherzer. So, yes, just give me competitive baseball and don't get swept. Like, that was something else we talked about off air is that I feel like we have to add a, ca- a caveat now. Like, okay – we keep saying the wins and losses aren't as big of a deal when you're talking about the 2023 Reds. Wins and losses really become a big deal next year. We really have expectations then. This is all about getting guys experience and, and finding out who the core is and making sure that everybody's ready to go for next year. The problem with that is, is you get into situations where, like the Rays series, where you win one game and then you lose the other two games by a combined 16 runs. I don't want to see that. Like, just just have a nice showing against this Mets team. The Mets actually haven't, and for for the four hundred fifty million dollars that they spent, and Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander have been hurt a little bit this year so far. But for that four hundred fifty million dollars, they haven't gotten a buzzsaw of a team right now. They've, they've kind of struggled a little bit. And the one thing that I look at for this Reds team is what can they do against the Mets bullpen. Because the Mets bullpen does not keep the ball on the ground. And the air, I don't know if you've known this or not, Steve, the air is getting a little bit thicker here now in the month of May around it's Great American May, Ballpark. Baby. It's May. The yeah, ball baby. is going to start to fly. You start, you start giving up fly balls at Great American Ballpark around this time of year, you're going to see your ERA go way up there. Yeah, the, the Reds bullpen, you know, we, we talk about this, and a lot of people have bagged on this Reds bullpen, us included at times, uh, mm-hmm. but they've not been horrible. As a matter of fact, um, they've been fairly good. They're a little inconsistent. It's, you know, that's probably the one knock against them, but they, they have kept the Reds in games, and I think our biggest concern about this bullpen is just all their arms falling off, and, mm-hmm. and, and we've talked about that a lot. So, you know, if – if the Reds can get some starting pitching that keeps them in a game, and once both teams are into the bullpen, I almost feel like, despite, as you say, the, the $450 million, the Reds could find themselves in a position to stumble into a win, maybe even stumble into a couple wins, depending on how well our starting pitchers do over the course of the three games. Yeah, because if, you know, if the bullpen's coming in in the fourth or the fifth inning here tonight, Tuesday night against Max Scherzer, and 
they're already down by five runs. That's going to be kind of tough. Like Luke Weaver cannot blow up again and he just keeps blowing up. So hopefully he can, you know, keep it in the ballpark, keep the runners off the bases, maybe limit the Mets to like three or four runs. And then we're cooking with gas a little bit because sure the Reds are going to have a tough time hitting Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer's dominated them. Um, I gave you that career stat there on the script of 12 earned runs in 64 and two thirds innings career. In fact, we can go a little bit deeper. The Reds have a grand total of 35 hits against Max Scherzer in his career. It's just he does not let the Reds do a whole lot. And that's that's through, I mean, Max Scherzer's been pitching for a million years. So, sure, this lineup's not anything like some of the other lineups he's faced. But also, I mean, you could make the argument that this lineup isn't as good as some of the good lineups that he's faced in the past for the Reds. So he has faced the good stuff, and now he's facing a much younger team could they get up on them? I think the most we can hope for is that they score two runs off Max Scherzer, and then hopefully they can get in on the Mets bullpen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the bottom line for me, Jeff, is like you say, they need to be competitive. I, I want to see the offense, you know, have some opportunity throughout the game, and we absolutely cannot ask the bullpen to cover seven innings on on any of these games and, and, and reasonably much that, that the Reds can win. They've been, there's been a, too much of that. So, so for me, uh, prediction-wise, Jeff, I think the Reds steal one of these games to avoid the sweep, uh, but the Mets will win this series pretty handily, uh, but hopefully the Reds make it fun to watch. Momentum's not as much of a thing in baseball as it is in, in football. I mean, I believe that there's, you know, there's contagiousness when it comes to hitting or not hitting with lineups or, you know, giving up a ton of walks or something like that with the pitching staff. I worry a little bit at how they finish that White Sox series. Like, can they bounce back? And now they're facing Max Scherzer on this this first game. Like, if they get beat really bad to begin this series, what does that do for the rest of it? So I think, I think they get one. Um, I man, it's it's tough for me to say which one. I think it's most likely that they get the getaway game on Thursday. Um, but I, I, I would love to see it if they could sneak one in against Scherzer or Verlander. We haven't talked about – we'll talk about Verlander a little bit more tomorrow. But uh, just two uh, two guys who are going to be in, in Cooperstown without a doubt that we will see at Great American Ballpark these next two days. And just hoping the Reds, you know, don't add to their playoff – or their Hall of Fame resumes too much. Well, that is probably a good place to go ahead and call it a day, Jeff. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, don't forget you can catch every pitch of the Reds Hometown Broadcast with SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. That's going to wrap us up for this edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen every day. Every day is coming up tomorrow on the show. Will Luke Weaver make any Reds fan a believer? Maybe. Let's go with that. Uh, now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy analysis anywhere you can find. Locked On Fantasy Baseball is just like Locked On Reds. It's free and available on all platforms because we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Steve, there's a big payroll gap coming here to Great American Ballpark, not Paycor Stadium even though we're talking about payrolls and things like that, whatever. I just thought Paycor, I'd throw it in there. So what can people expect from you and me? 
Well, they can expect me to say Herman moving forward. Uh, they can also expect us to monitor the transactions and see how many more names I can mispronounce as the Reds scour the waiver wires looking for pitching help. We're going to gather up all that information, bring to back all the rumors, all the news, and keep everyone locked on Reds every single day. Nick Crawl can really be afraid to lose. I think he's afraid to lose his job. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.